0: Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is...
1: Brian Kazaska. And hey, Ben, today we have a the grandfather of Twin Peaks. <laughs>
0: John Thorne himself. Hey, John.
2: <laughs> hey, guys. Good to talk to you.
0: It wasn't that long ago that issue nine of The Blue Rose came out. What a great <clears throat> magazine. I mean, I'm always impressed how much you and Scott are able to pack into one issue.
2: We were very happy with this this latest issue. It was... Yeah, lots of good stuff. Fantastic (laughs) cover, too.
0: That is the Double R Club from the UK. Yes. It wasn't that long ago that we had you on the Community Rewatch. And still, I'm still amazed that uh, Harry Goa there. You got t- an interview with him. Scott mm-hmm. was able to twist his arm <laughs> and get
1: him on.
2: You know, I had tried, and uh, Brad Dukes had tried uh, the year before to see if we could get an interview with him, and he refused to, to do it. He just didn't, he wasn't comfortable doing it, he said he didn't want to do it. And he had never done any interviews about Twin Peaks before. And so Scott said, I'm going to go ask him. And I said, well, you can go ask him, but he's not going to do it. And so Scott goes up, and I was busy with doing something else. And Scott walks back and he goes, I've got the interview (laughs) and i just my mouth just dropped i'm like well how did you do that i mean he said he wasn't doing interviews and i guess uh, i you know i don't want to necessarily steal the story from scott but i think he asked him and harry goaz said uh i don't do interviews Uh, i like to keep the mystery alive and Scott said, well, then you have to do at least one interview because that makes it even more mysterious. And uh, that seemed to trigger it, and he said, okay, I'll do it.
0: Unbelievable. That is is, is so special that we got it in this issue. Yeah.
2: So happy. Yeah, really, really happy to talk to him.
0: That interview was incredible, but then we also get – a new article from you, and it's kind of the follow-up to Wrapped in Plastic issue 60. This is big. This is huge. I'm was i was so excited <laughs> about this issue. Uh, a Strong Sender.
1: And I want to say, I feel like you got the title from... We always say A Strong Sender. When
0: we, when we were originally doing this and we were going through the first couple seasons that we were always making a joke Str- about a strong, strong sender. Yeah.
1: So I want to take credit for the fact that <laughs> you got the That's title from been- us, not. I'm, no. I'm only kidding.
2: For anyone who doesn't know, the the title A strong sender uh, comes from Cooper's comment in the first season where he says, you know, he didn't want to go talk to Sarah Palmer because he was afraid that he would interfe- his his mental makeup would interfere with the talk with her because he is a strong sender. Mm. So he has some perhaps extra sensory abilities.
0: And what's so important, it was related to Sarah's vision, which I guess a vision could also be considered a dream. Mm-hmm. And that really does relate to all the new stuff. So can you get into us? What, what is the essence of this article?
2: I'll just back up a little bit. So Scott uh, had asked me to, to write essentially a sequel to the the, what? So I had written this essay back way back when 2002, uh, in wrapped in plastic called "Dreams of Deer Meadow," in which at that point I had argued that the first 30 minutes of Fire Walk with Me was, in fact, actually what we were seeing was a dream, and it was Cooper's dream, and so Cooper was reimagining his visit to Deer Meadow and his attempt at investigating the murder of Teresa Banks. That essay has gotten a little. Uh, interest over the years and he said well now that you know the dream element has become so pronounced in season three uh, and in fact we get the line that's from firewalk with me again where cooper says we live inside a dream he said, you know, you need to go back and, and talk about it with season three in mind. And so all I was gonna do is just say, well, yeah, I guess it's still a dream. You know, or it's mm. a dream or I, I didn't even know for sure what I was gonna do. I, I figured I'd just sort of pick up where I left off and, and say, well, it kind of is the same thing all over again. When I really started thinking about it and really taking some time to to look at what was going on in season three, I started to feel a little differently about it. And ultimately I think, I. I came up with this idea that I'm very, very happy with and confident in about not what is happening in season three, but how we should be watching season three. And it all really kind of comes down to defining what a dream is. Mm. And so I think most of us um, often when we hear the word dream or we hear we live inside a dream, we're thinking of this sort of mental fantasy of, you know, a sleeping character or maybe they're it's still they're not asleep but it's still something they're fantasizing about and that that's what the dream is and so the dream kind of makes it less real and less relevant and that kind of troubled me a little the more I looked at it and the more I read about what Lynch himself uh, I think felt what what you know, the idea of what dreaming is and for me um, sort of one of the, the key, Lines came from another Lynch film, which is Lost Highway. And of course, the, there's a famous line in Lost Highway where Fred Madison says, um, I like to remember things the way I remember them, not necessarily the way they happened. Yeah. And. I found other Lynch quotes in his own life that seemed to support the idea of we all see the universe the way we want to see it. We all have sort of our own personal filters we put forth. So you and I could see a car accident and I would see it completely differently or, or, or significantly differently than maybe you would. Or I would see details that you didn't see mm. or I would put my own self into it and interpret it in some way that would be different than what you would. And so the more I thought about that, the more I thought, That's kind of what I think is happening in season three. I think what we are seeing through most of season three are the events of the story as Dale Cooper sees them. I don't mean that he's dreaming them necessarily. I mean, this is how he's processing Hmm. what is happening. If he were to sit down and tell us the story of season three, this is how he would have told it. And it would have had these sort of quirky little elements to it. It would have these sort of odd pieces to it. And, and it wouldn't necessarily be the way it happened. It would be the way he wanted it or thought it happened. And, and one of the points I make later in the essay is, what I say is that this is Cooper's version of the story. But if another character had been sort of the primary filter, if it had been Hawk, for example, who was telling us the story of Mr. C coming to Twin Peaks and Jack Rabbit's palace and all the different things, Hawk would tell it in a different way, and we would then see a different season three if it had been Hawk. So I don't know if that makes sense. I Mm -hmm. went on and on there, but what I believe we're seeing in season three is a filtered story. We're seeing it the way Dale Cooper is seeing it. And so it is not necessarily perfectly accurate, and it helps explain maybe some of the idiosyncratic and incomplete elements of season three.
1: Interesting. And so,
0: in, you know, Wrapped in Plastic number 60, you were saying the first half hour of that film was basically a dream. So, in season three, is it all Cooper's dream?
2: Okay, so again, the word dream, I think Lynch would say, dream is not a fantasy. Ah. Dream is an interpretation. So we, I'm dreaming it. It's that everyone sees the world in their own way. And, and Lynch even uses a quote, the world is as you are. Meaning, and this comes from some of the Hindu, Hindu philosophy, the world is as you are. The world is reflected to you as you want it or can't help but see it. And so I would say that, yes, almost everything we're seeing in season three is how cooper sees it mm. so it's through his psyche that we're seeing all this it's, it's a step outside of the story that's sort of a layer that is only kind of hinted at when we get to part 17 when we suddenly see this huge face of cooper you know superimposed over the action none of the characters in the in the scene are aware of cooper being there gordon Culley doesn't see this giant face cooper himself doesn't see this giant face the only ones who see it are the audience mm. and so I mean, you can't really tackle season three without trying to explain what that is. What, what is happening there? And uh, my way of, of interpreting that is that we are seeing briefly the layer between us and the story. And the layer between us and the story is Cooper's mind yeah. interpreting things as they go along. I, it's, it's a tough concept to explain. I don't know if I'm doing it, doing it well, but I think I think you're doing I it hope. well. Yeah. That's, that's how I always saw
1: it too. I saw it like we were in this – different world or layer, whatever we want to call it, you know.
2: Yeah, and I would argue that, you know, there's been other dream theories that have been out there. And Tim Kreider, who's a great writer, he recently posted and we interviewed him in issue eight of the Blue Rose uh, about this theory where he said all of Twin Peaks is Cooper's dream and that Cooper might not be Cooper, he might be somebody else. But essentially what he's saying in in a theory like that is that all of what we're seeing is really just inside his mind. I am arguing that what we're seeing really happened, that there mm. really was a Mr. C mm. who went on this mission to try to find the coordinates and, you know, amass power. And there really was, uh, you know, um, a Major Briggs who was trying to stop him putting a plan forth. There really is a Gordon Cole and there really is a place called Twin Peaks and there's these characters there really is a Dougie who appears in Las Vegas. These things are real, yeah. quote-unquote, within the story. This, the story has some relevance, mm-hmm. and we have investment in these characters, and it, it's worthy of investing, and they're real. But what we are seeing is how Cooper sees them. Yeah. So it's real, but it's got a dreamlike quality to it because we're seeing it through Cooper's mind.
1: Definitely.
2: Yeah. You! <laughs> yeah. yeah! All right, that's yeah. it. Yeah. See you next week. <laughs> There's things that don't make sense. They're minor things, but they don't make sense. Yes. To us who have watched the original series. So why is Cooper's key? say a clean place reasonably priced i mean that's a line that cooper says in the original series Um, on the key certainly you know from season one to his room at the great northern would not have had the line on it unless somehow he knew you know the line was already there on the key you know that's a really convoluted way of of having to somehow make sense of that he says that line but in season three that line is, is on the key um Another very, very, very minor example is the character of Toad, who mm. briefly appears in one of the episodes which played by a completely different actor. Lynch did not have to call that guy Toad and he didn't have to use that actor he could have used maybe i think maybe the original actor was still around i don't know
0: sabrina says to us uh that actor was in firewalk with me and named toad Mm -hmm. and when i try to bring up the fact that there was this big heavy guy with a cap Mm -hmm. on named toad she doesn't seem to remember that or at least that that was
1: from yeah i mean he was a (laughs) he was like someone who would come (laughs) in though
2: Oh, sure. He was Toad. That was Toad. Yeah. That was Toad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. he was known as nope. Toad. He was
0: in all the time. And then there right. was, I guess there was another, the cook named Toad in Firewalk with me. And that's where they're bringing the back. But it, why is it the same Maybe name? because
1: Lynch had more involvement. Maybe that, maybe he had nothing Look. to do to create that Toad character. And... <laughs> it's just
0: odd, though, that in the same place, the double R, we would have two uh, different Toads. Yeah.
2: I know. My explanation is that Cooper just remembers Toads differently. I mean, it, mm, it, it yeah. seems like a cop-out, but it's not. You might ask, well, where is Cooper in all of this? That's a tough thing to get at. I mean, he I would argue that his mind is still in the Red Room. Yes. Uh, and when Laura Palmer says, you can go out now, his mind is now observing uh, what's taking place in the real world. Part of him went out as Dougie, and another part of him is already – A physical part of him went out as Dougie without a mind. And uh, the other evil side of him is already out in the the real world. But his mind is separate from that and processing all of these events as they take place. And so we are seeing these events as he processes them, which helps explain why they are told in such an unusual and eccentric way Hmm. and would then explain why maybe... The key is the way it is, or Toad is the way it, he is, and I had other examples. I can't think of them. All. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have I to look real quick. But I'm trying to, um, think the winter
0: wiper guy, and that was that had to do with Gordon Cole. And
2: that's a slightly different thing. Yeah. I, I I think there are some characters in the story who are more in tune with a larger universe than other characters, and I think the Log Lady is one of those characters. I think Carl Rod is one of those characters, and I yeah. c- certainly think Gordon Cole is one of those characters. And I think. Some of the things that happened to Gordon Cole are him becoming aware of Cooper's observing presence if that makes any sense that Cooper's mind is there one of the great examples would be when Cole opens the door and he sees the giant face of Laura Palmer you know in, in distress uh, for a moment another one would be the window washer scene which is really unusual when he walks in the window washer suddenly there and and Gordon Cole kind of winces and is in pain and then it, the scene seems to suddenly end and the window washer never continues on and cleans the other w- uh, windows in the in the hotel room what are those bizarre occurrences i would argue that maybe gordon cole is someone who's somewhat aware of this presence this observing presence of cooper I
0: love in this article, you're saying that uh, that's actually a message sent from Cooper, which is like, kind of blows my mind.
2: One way of looking at it, I think it's a way that makes sense. I mean, there could be dozens of other, you know, logical explanations for it within the world of Twin Peaks. But given my theory here... um, Of What's happening is I would say that that manifestation of Laura is something that comes from Cooper
0: and with Cole seeing Laura Palmer. I, of course, thought like, oh, it's David Lynch's obsession with Laura Palmer. Like he seems like or maybe all of us that were haunted by that image. But it is it is puzzling. For me, and it almost makes the most sense to think that well, maybe there is a message being sent to him.
2: That's how I right now I'm comfortable with the idea uh, mm, that mm. Cooper is this presence. I mean, you know, there's there's other scenes with Cole. Cole is in the is in the hotel room in South Dakota, but he can hear the monitors of Dougie in um in Las Vegas. Um, I
0: need to rewatch that. I missed that, so I mean, I I could have to have to go back and, and check that out. I don't even remember. He that. seems
2: aware. He seems yeah. aware that wow. that that there's something going on with Cooper. Of course, you know, Cole was one of those characters that that passes out of the, the action in part 17 into that sort of dark space and then into the, the great northern yeah. basement.
0: I just realized, That's is part. it a boiler room? Is that? It is a boiler. But it's room. funny. I just realized that because, like, I'm just thinking about the European pilot. And it's Mike, the same place. Mike and, and, yeah. and, and Bob are in the boiler yeah. room. So yeah. I didn't. I don't know if I realized that until right really? now. Really? Yeah.
1: It's the same place.
2: It's very similar.
0: <laughs> wow. This is not the best article you've written. It's got to be one of the best. I really love it. Maybe I'm just partial to. Uh, I, I love dreams. <laughs> and I love that you brought up Lost Highway and connecting these dreams. And it's it's really good article.
2: Well, uh, well, thanks very much. You know, as I wrote it, and as I did a little research on Lynch's philosophy and the way he looks at the universe, and I mean Lynch is deliberately putting Hindu philosophy into season three. I mean, we can't, we can't ignore it. He, Gordon Cole says the you know we all remember the ancient phrase, you know, we are like the dreamer who dreams but lives inside the dream. Mm-hmm. That comes from Hindu philosophy. If he's putting it in there, we can't ignore it. Yeah. So. What is it there that, that he's thinking about, that he's placing into Twin Peaks? Well, it's sort of this concept of the, the world is an illusion and we all see it our own way. The world is as you are, which is a quote that he deliberately raises in an interview that he did uh, with a French magazine. And so he's, he's insisting that this concept is important. And so I just figured if, if that's true, then you know, how do we apply that to what we're seeing in Twin Peaks and, and does it fit and does it make sense? And so for me, it made a lot of sense. And in, in fact, it, it just it helps me kind of rationalize but a great deal of what we see happening in season three. I call it in the article a mediated narrative. That is, someone else is mediating the story for us. They're mm-hmm. telling us the things they want to tell us, and they're telling us, cooper the way he wants to tell it so maybe he's interested in some of these things that are going on in the roadhouse but not interested enough to really follow through with you know what happens (laughs) afterwards it just had a sensibility to it that helped me kind of put my my hands around for the first time really comfortably feeling like i had a grip on season three
0: nice but i noticed though there is no chet desmond in this article
2: <laughs> uh Chet Desmond is mentioned that's interesting you, you that I, I'm uh,
0: really, I mean, it's, it's Scott in my ear right now saying Bring say up Scott.
2: Chet so Scott, Desmond Scott kept saying Scott said well for he yeah, had artwork that he wanted to use with Chet Desmond and he goes no, where? I said well I didn't mention Chet Desmond in the article he goes, well how could you not I'm like because it's something else entirely it's about season three yeah and and uh, you know why am I why do I force Chet Desmond and he goes well people are going to want to know and uh, so I do have a short footnote ah, uh, and i wrote i'm going to read the footnote to Please you do. So yes uh, the footnote says some people like pesky co-editors will want to know if this means i think chet desmond the fbi agent investigating the bank's case in Firewalk with me is a real character rather than a figment of cooper's dreaming mind my short answer is it doesn't matter I'm Ooh. not trying to evade the question. It's just that Twin Peaks is ultimately about Laura Palmer and Dale Cooper. Yep. The Fire Walk With Me prologue, no matter how much it features Desmond, is Cooper's story. This is what David Lynch originally envisioned, what he wrote and intended to film. Last-minute changes in Kyle McLaughlin's availability made that impossible, so Lynch found another way to make the prologue fit his vision chet desmond's presence is negligible and doesn't add anything to the deeper connections between laura and cooper if it makes you feel better to think he's real fine but that won't make the story any more or less meaningful so that's my. you dropped the mic
1: the mic that's the drop the mic, the mic.
0: boom <laughs> nice how did i miss that footnote how did i miss that
2: i don't know uh, it's footnote number 10 page uh, 15
0: that's awesome that's so good uh, and I thought it was, the, you know, we were all there in Washington for uh, part twelve, and we actually got to have you on for a minute with Scott. And I thought that was so, it was so funny because Scott was like, in part twelve, they mentioned the word Chet Desmond, and he, so your theory he, he is, done. is done. But you guys yeah. had a lot of fun with that. But
2: well, and in fact, this new way of looking at it would explain Chet Desmond, you know, why he's mentioned. There may be a real Chet Desmond. It, it could very well be there was a character named Chet Desmond who went and investigated and disappeared. I I don't have any problem with that at all. I don't need him to be make-believe. What I do think is that we spend too much time worrying about <laughs> right. what happened to him and who he is because that was never going to be the story. That was never intended to be, and Lynch wasn't going to follow up on it. The story's about Cooper, and it's about Laura. And so if Cooper created Chet Desmond out of his mind, then he would think of him when he's... Relating the story of season three if he didn't create Chet Desmond who's you know in fact a real character then he would mention him in season three and move on yeah Yeah. so um, anyway
0: Right. And, you know, I talked to Bob Angles and, you know, the only reason there is a Chet Desmond is because we didn't get uh, Kyle McLaughlin for the whole movie and stuff like that. So he was always a substitute for Dale Cooper or or for Kyle either way. But
2: You got to remember that. that, That's sort of the key argument. And I don't mean to sort of relitigate the whole Fire Walk Me thing in, but. But the whole, whole Deer Meadow prologue was written for Cooper. It was done. It was yes. completed. They had, they had written. They were going to do it. And then Colin McLaughlin said, I, I can't do it or I won't do it. And they are like, okay, we'll just get a new actor. And they just changed the name. All the dialogue, for the most part, is the same. Yep. So it was intended to be Cooper. Um, and then Cooper becomes kind of a prominent player later in, the, in that part of the story. My argument is it's always it's always Cooper. that we're seeing what Cooper wants you to see, mm. yeah. in the prologue,
1: man, oh man.
0: It's such a good argument. <laughs> so it's really so good. I'm glad that Scott convinced you to return to this because <laughs> it really is your best work, and it it really it makes a lot of sense. you You really laid it out, and uh, I love it.
2: thanks. I've had some good reaction to it. Most of the people who've read it and have sent it out to a couple of people, it's been a positive reaction. They said, you know, this is a really good argument, and some people have said that you haven't convinced me. Um, you've entertained me, but you haven't convinced me. I got that comment, which is which is fine. You probably got um, that
0: 25 years ago, right? yeah. when when, uh, when it, issue
2: 60 was. Funny thing is, I'm not trying to convince anyone. I'm just trying to figure it out, and yeah. so I'm figuring it out in public, so you can read me trying to figure it out if you want, or just not. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. But I think I'm offering something that at least helps you get a different handle on on how to look at season three and, and, and answer some of the confusing elements. I don't answer them all in here. And I make clear there are things I still – part 18 is still a tough nut to crack. And mm-hmm. I, my argument right now is that part 18 is Laura Palmer's and Diane – version of they're relating the events in part eighteen. We no longer are seeing it through Cooper's eyes, we're seeing it through their eyes. So that's that's you know that's my first attempt to try to make sense of part eighteen. And I also argue that anything that we see in black and white in season three is outside of Cooper's perception but these are things that happened that Cooper either didn't know about or couldn't filter for us. So when we see the atomic bomb explode and we see the Woodsman running around the convenience store and and you know we see the firemen in um at the very beginning with Cooper that those things are not filtered through cooper's mind you get a flashback to Firewalk with me it's curious to me in part 17 when when we flash back to Firewalk with me why we why is it in black and white and not color because the film is in color it could right. have been in color and i mean some argument has been made that well what we see in black and white is stuff that happened in the past and yeah. so that's why it's color-coded that way it's black and white it means it happened in the past and then that may be a great great explanation for my argument is that the things that happened in firewalk with me were beyond cooper's ability to perceive and to relate to us and so they're happening the way they happened in firewalk with me not the way they happened you know the cooper wants us to think they happened, and hmm. so they're in black and white because of that
1: nice yeah wow why did you on here yeah, yeah. good <laughs> so stuff. You don't have the way to go, right? right? Go out there and get this issue, people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what are you waiting for? It's if so you good. haven't gotten it already. already.
0: Are there other uh, ideas for articles that you're working on right now?
2: You know, that one really kind of exhausted me a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to be writing some stuff for this Men of Lynch issue that's coming up, and I'm going to be taking on, uh, briefly taking on Cooper, but only, you know, just in passing. Every yeah. We're going to try to get everybody to write about Cooper. I'm going to do some characters from Inland Empire, which are characters that I don't know a lot about, so I'll something new to deal with. We've got some other s- Twin Peaks stuff we're going to write, but it, it's not dense as what I'm describing here right now. I kind of burn out on essays right totally, now. After writing yeah. This, yeah. No, so we will just got to see what kind of bubbles up. What I really want to do is kind of revisit this essay. There was a lot I thought about afterwards. I thought, you know, I didn't, I didn't mention this, or I should have added that, or I could have expanded this to make it make more sense. So I may try to come back to this and see what, if I can expand it any.
0: I would love that. I think that would be great. I mean, especially when you're dealing with dreams, I mean, there's so much. When we talk about Community Rewatch, I mean, there's so much. Like, every episode seems to talk about dreams and Twin Peaks. And I feel like, yeah, you could go back through the whole series and Mm -hmm. probably connect things to the article that you wrote.
2: Uh, yeah, I think so, and I think I mean, I think you go back and look at at uh, Lynch's other work, and of course, again, as I say, things that Lynch has actually said in his yeah. own life about just the way he views the universe. But you know, Lost Highway is a great example of this kind of. Idea at work. There's so many confusing things in Lost Highway, right? Yeah. But, but like with any with any Lynch film, I didn't go back to Eraserhead. Uh, there's so many examples in Eraserhead and other films where what we see depicted on the screen, because we're seeing it in color or or in black and white, we're seeing it in action. We're seeing it happen in front of us on the screen. We immediately assume it's actually happening. And there, is, there are scenes in Eraserhead that you can interpret as scenes that we're only seeing through Henry's eyes.
0: Hmm.
2: Um, I, I'm thinking of the scene where he opens the door and he looks out the hallway and he sees the woman across the hall and she's got another man. I have to go back and look at it and I don't want you know, to get too diff. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it, but there are scenes that seem curious and inexplicable, but if you think of them as what we are seeing is not what happened. But we're seeing what Henry saw. And yeah. it makes a little more sense. And obviously with Lost Highway, you could apply that idea to it. It's like what we're watching is, is someone's mind processing information. Mm-hmm. This is how they are. Yeah. Uh, Mulholland Drive is another really good example of that. And I would argue even to a small, small extent, there's elements of that in the straight story. Especially hmm. at the end when you know, this tractor comes out of nowhere yeah. and Alvin's tractor magically restarts. It's almost like an angel that has come down and, yeah. and, uh, and guided him. How much of this is, is quote-unquote real and how much of it is just wishful wish fulfillment or wishful thinking or just the way I remember it? Totally. Yeah. You know,
0: and I definitely think uh, you know, looking <clears throat> at both Part 18 and you look at Lost Highway, there's actually a lot of parallels. I mean, you have Fred waking up; he seems disoriented. You have Cooper or, or mm-hmm. uh, Brian saying Richard <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, waking up, and then you have, of course, they're both going on this uh, road at, at night, and they're kind of mm-hmm. disoriented. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would love to like kind of look at both those, both the Part 18 and the film of Lost Highway again, it, and I think there's a lot of similarities.
2: I I would say there probably certainly is. I would love. I need to watch Lost Highway again.
0: Well, John, thank you so much for your time. I really recommend everybody who's listening. You you got to pick up issue nine. With uh, John's amazing article. And the great thing is, is that you could get it right this instant that we're talking. You could just go to Amazon and there's a Kindle version. Yes. I mean, it's really reasonably. I mean, it's like, I think it's like $4. So if you can't wait, and I also, of course, <laughs> recommend going to Blue Rose. Is it just bluerose.com? Is
1: blue
2: it that- Rose Mag. I think no. it's bluerosemag.com. Blue Correct. And, and you're absolutely right. If somebody wants to read this right now, they don't have to you know, wait for the issue to show up in the mail. You can go on and get uh, the ebook version, but it's yeah. not a lot of money. I mean, it really isn't. Uh, You'll get the whole issue. You don't just get that essay. You'll get the Harry Goaz interview, and you will get a great article by Matt Marone uh, that talks about Major Briggs and his role in the story. We got an interview with Robert Broski, who played the God of Light Woodsman. Uh, we've got other cool stuff. And so all of that would be, you'd have it instantly.
0: And I actually have, I, for this issue, I have it digitally because I love being able to be anywhere and just, you know, e- bring it up on my phone, bring it up on any computer or whatever. So I have it digitally, but of course I have the physical copy. Nothing beats the physical copy of yeah. actually going <laughs> through the pages and just enjoying it. And I recommend everybody get a subscription so they get it. So they just every issue that comes out, they get, Year three. It right, yeah, they get it in the mail.
2: We are working on issue 10 right now. Oh, wow. I've, I've seen the cover to issue 10 and I absolutely love it. It's just it's just fantastic. Not, you should Buy for the cover alone, but we have some uh, we have some good content already in place for that, and I think it's a good solid issue. We're working on issue eleven, mm-hmm. and we've got some good contributors uh, already. A major portion of the work is done on that. Is that the um, li- uh, Men of Lynch? You know, the Men of Lynch. That'll be out in the summertime or late summer.
0: If you want to make sure you get every one of these issues, I would recommend that you just subscribe because, you know, if I'm right, I think Scott says like when you guys sell out, you don't always, uh, you, That's don't, it? you don't get new ones. I mean, you don't you don't reprint. I mean, I don't know if you right. do, but I a lot of times I think you guys, they're gone, they're gone and...
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we were. I I will say that when we were doing the first year, we we printed a lot of extra copies. Uh, of course, Twin Peaks was on the air at the time, and we we wanted to have back stock available. But we do not print extra copies now. We print a very limited amount. Of the people who are subscribing, and then there's some overstock, but not a lot. Yeah, when they sell out, they're sold out. They're not going back to, to print. It's just costs us too much money to keep it in in print. Although again, the ebook is available yeah you know, um, but
0: again there's nothing like having a physical <laughs> magazine and you know I'm sure I said to you John I made the mistake back in the day I did not have uh, keep my subscription mm-hmm. up for, wrapped in plastic and as I got because you know life whatever but mm-hmm. then when it was time to do this podcast it's like oh I really wish I had every issue and it took me a, a while to start like trying to find all those issues and stuff and like why yeah. go through the trouble just go and get it now and yeah, yeah and don't
1: regret it. it in 25
0: years yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right uh, well thank you so so much john uh can you tell us how how we can follow you
2: The best place to get to me uh is on twitter and so my handle there is at thorn whip uh that's t-h-o-r-n-e-w-i-p and so you can follow me there and um i mean you can you can get to me through uh too if you know you want to send emails and, and that kind of thing that's that's the best way probably to get to me
1: Hi there, you just caught me reading my brand new book, Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. Me and my co-host Ben Durant wrote this last year and is now finally out at bluerosebag.com. This book contains over 100 interviews with cast and crew, community commentary, and of course, us. For example, here are some of the fine folks you'll find in this wonderful book. Krista Bell, Charlotte Stewart, David Patrick Kelly, Jim Belushi, John Neff, Scott Frost, Cheryl Lee, Matthew Lillard, and the one, the only, Kyle McLaughlin. So get your copy today at bluerosemag.com.
0: And now here's an interview with Mike McGrenner.
3: I wanted to do this Lynch series for five years. I had no idea that it would get the attention, you know, outside of Columbus, Ohio. So it's kind of a, this is a wild thing. How did this director series come about? I produce and direct a show called Night Owl Theater with this late night movie host named Fritz the Night Owl. That was around when I was a really little kid, and uh, I directed my first film in 2009. It premiered at Disneyland in a festival, and when I was out there, you know, they ask you what your next project is, and I kind of bs my way into just saying, I'm going to bring back my childhood hero for It's the Night Owl, and I had no <laughs> idea if he was alive or where he was or what was going on, and I ended up doing that in 2010, and uh, about two or three years into the so five years into the show, 2015, I won an Emmy for directing that, and wow. I was just uh, I was like, whoa, this is awesome. And like, it was just one of those unexpected things. And then I've always been like creative about, I love 80s horror. I love Twin Peaks. And those were like the two loves of my life. And then, uh, so I did this horror series called Terror from the 80s that I currently do still, uh, in addition to Night Owl, which is wrapping up, but, um, It's like every month is a double feature of 80s horror back to back with intermissions and trailer reels like Grindhouse. It's exactly like Grindhouse. So I took in like leader film and made these like filters and like basically you're watching two movies. But the presentation is just like you're watching the actual prints from the 80s. So uh, complete with like real changes and stuff. So while I was doing that this whole time, what I really wanted to do uh, around 2014, I think it was, is uh, start this David Lynch series. And I pitched it to the four indie theaters in Columbus because I, wa- I, I knew I wanted it to be like a single screen or like an independently run theater because I just feel that's more of the room for David Lynch, less of a mm. multiplex kind of thing. And everyone in Columbus, all four theaters, just basically said Lynch doesn't have enough fans to fill a room. Wow. Wow. And I was so insulted by that because I'm like, then I must look like a crazy person to you trying four years now to get this thing going. And so um, last year I got to do it. the first theater that said yes was 75 miles from me in Miamisburg. And this town looked like the town from Blue Velvet. It was like a really small town and the theater was amazing. It was like 300 seats and it was just this old town theater that they had just restored. And I got up through Lost Highway and they canceled it because there wasn't enough attendance to keep it going. I didn't lose my motivation for it, but I was just like, if I'd have done this in Columbus, it would have worked, you know, just like the whole, you you, I wasn't ready to give up on it because Lynch is what got me into film. I mean, the pilot of Twin Peaks is what got me into this whole thing. So in Columbus, the theater that I was doing my other two series at, uh, my Terror from the 80s series got canceled in Columbus and moved to London, Ohio, which is where I am with it now. And then Night Owl's coming to an end in Columbus as well. And so I just asked the owner of the theater, I said, Hey, I know you're against the Lynch series, but just give me a head. Let me do a Racerhead. And then if that does well, give me Elephant Man. If that does well, give me Dune. And so that's what he agreed to. And a Racerhead sold out. Wow. And so wow. when a Racerhead, and that was, that's a 250-seater. So I'm like, Okay. So every seat was filled. And when a Racerhead sold out at midnight, like Lynch at midnight should not work, even mm. though Eraserheads a midnight movie. I mean, I could stay up till four or five in the morning, no problem. I've been doing it for years. Most people, though, if you're not in the right alertness to watch a Lynch film, you're gonna you're gonna get hypnotized and fall asleep. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm shocked that it worked. But as soon as Eraserhead sold out, both the owner of the theater and myself were like on this high. And I knew Ray and Cheryl from the conventions that I had done with them. And I had done three things where I hosted it with them. And I just, I told Eric, I said, hey, what's your budget like? Not to get crazy, but when we get six months from now, when we get to Twin Peaks, can I bring in some guests? And Eric loves uh, guests coming into the theater. And so I brought Adrian King from Friday the 13th last year. And so we just haven't done anything since then. And I said, you know, I know the two leads from Twin Peaks. The great thing about him is he, he has this great place, but to him, it's like this Twin Peaks thing that I'm taking a gamble on, mm. whereas for me, it's like, I know we're going to rock this. Like, we're going to sell <laughs> yeah. so, so I'm like, cool. Can I do this little Twin Peaks thing, then? And can you give me like, you know, X thousands of dollars and and uh, let me book a couple guests and... And so he agreed to it. You know, he said, I'll try anything once. So he'll, he'll give me the chance. And so I called, made made a phone call and, and, you know, just made it happen. It was weird.
0: The tickets go on sale, and it seems like they pretty much almost sell out the first showing or something. And how does the the, the, the owner of that theater think of that? And, like, <laughs> we have months
3: away before it, it's actually even available to see. Um, he, know, he knows this isn't that Little Twin Peaks thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no what, what happened was... Uh, when the tickets went on sale, and I'm such a fan of uh, pick a time that they're going to go on sale and hype that time almost as if it's like the event. So I like want to promote the on-sale time yeah. and the date and make this an event for all the fans. And so that Saturday morning at 10, when it went on sale, uh, my phone is set to just alert me when one ticket sells. <laughs> no. Nice. And at 10 a.m., I mean, I was already sitting at the computer, but my phone vibrated off of the desk. Wow. And uh, <laughs> when I looked, within two minutes, there were 37 ticket sales. Wow. And that's 37 ticket orders. So if one order had more than one ticket on it, there was 37 separate orders that came in within two minutes. Wow. So Friday and Saturday sold out so fast I had asked Ray and Cheryl's uh, manager since they're going to be here all weekend, and you know I'm going to be their wheels and everything. I said, "Do they want leisure time?" And he's like, "No, no, no! Add shows if you got to add shows." And I was wow. like, "Seriously?" You know, I added the Sunday, two p.m., and then that started selling. And then I was just like, "You know what? Let's add a matinee on Saturday because we got the whole day anyway." So we just brought it up to four shows, and now both the Saturday matinee and the Sunday afternoon are half sold out. Friday and Saturday are sold out except for VIP tickets. Yeah. So it's, it's going really well. And the whole reason for that VIP is just, you know, obviously this is not a, a cheap show to put on, and that was a way to go ahead and pre-sell autographs and photos. Like, everything's included in that price. And I gave them uh, an exclusive poster by our artists. That was a way to kind of, like, see if we could recoup what we're putting into this. Without scaring ourselves half to death. (laughs) So, yeah. I wanted to offer that VIP ticket.
0: So, the day it came on sale, I got two separate (laughs) tickets. I think I got the Friday night, and then I got the, it must have been, was it the Saturday one that was available? It was the two nights that were available originally. It was Friday and Saturday
3: night at 7 p.m. And
0: I was tempted to actually do the matinee Saturday, and I think I had some Twin Peaks friends that were like, we would like to hang out with you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I yeah. can't spend the whole weekend just seeing uh firework oh, me. over. But uh, <laughs> I am excited to see it and and I'm excited that you know you you've got these uh, you got Ray Wise and Cheryl Lee there and I mean it's it's yeah it's going to be a wonderful weekend.
3: What I'm looking forward to cuz I I didn't know at the time that this was going to happen and you know Scott was Scott and Josh were keeping me in the loop of you know, from the from the world of Twin Peaks, like what was going on amongst podcasters and magazines and, and blogs. And, um, you know, when they told me that people are flying here to come see this show and groups are going to meet Twin Peaks groups are going to meet up. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I literally that was the moment where I, I couldn't believe it. But at the same time, I'm so bummed I'll be working the whole weekend because, like, I really want to meet these people.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, You'll meet them. Yeah. I'm sure afterwards, so, you know.
3: Yeah. So the way, the way we're doing it, I mean, now Ray's from Ohio, he's from Akron. So the greatest thing about that is like, he, you know, he'll, he'll be able to see family and everything. We'll have like one leisure night and then, uh, Friday night is the first show. And then Saturday, it's just work from start to finish. And then, uh. Sunday the 2 p.m and then and then luckily Monday's the airport day. so we'll at least get to chill out you know after Sunday I'm kind of blown away like you' you're not the only person if you that bought a ticket to more than one. There's actually a lot of names when I was checking ticket sales. I noticed a, all four shows have repeat names. so like <laughs> nice. well, people have bought tickets to all four. I think just uh, I mean if I was a fan of this, which I am, but I mean if I wasn't working, I would have been there probably all four shows to literally not so much watch Firewalk with me as much as hang out. I mean, just to stay there and be there with all the other fans and and how cool that would be. I agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that VIP right, like it gets you in there in the door first too, doesn't it? I've been asked that question so many times and my intention with that was not first in line through the door but first in the VIPs will be the first to line up when the autograph session starts. Ah. So they, they, they get their things first and, and guarantee not, I mean, everyone's going to be able to meet them and, and get their autographs, but like, I want to guarantee the VIPs like that they'll do it without being rushed. So it's set up so that Firewalk with me is first. Then it's uh, myself with Cheryl and Ray, and we're going to do a Q and A with the audience. And then there's the autograph session. But then the last 90 minutes are going to be The Missing Pieces. So we're going to see that on the big screen. Awesome. And wow. so basically it's bookended with Firewalk With Me and Missing Pieces. You know, so I can basically, when Missing Pieces starts, that's my way to kind of get Ray, Ray and Cheryl out of there without everyone kind of lingering. And the autograph session at some point will have a time limit on it. So I just want to make sure that the people that bought the VIPs are first to go so that it's not like you know, okay, we got to move along. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. What format is Firewalk with me being shown on? Is it a Blu-ray? DCP. DCP. Every presentation I do, I do DCP. I'll make my own, um, or we'll get them from the studio. This Firewalk with me is booked from Janus films and the DCP file is coming from them. So it's based on the 4k restoration that Criterion has. Wow. Cool. It's going to look great.
1: Yeah. That's that's what, I believe that's what, uh, uh, Sutherland uh, said about when we saw Twin Peaks in New York.
0: Right when we saw uh, yeah. The, the yeah season oh, did three. guys go to season three? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Ben went for two days. I went for one day.
0: Yeah, we basically got. Oh, I went up to uh, part eight. Yeah, and that
3: was about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I wish yeah. You
3: know, yeah. I, to be honest, part eight is the most cinematic one out of all of them. Right. So I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. But part eight's amazing. Like I, had, my God. The night that aired, I just remember watching that live, just like, I I don't even know. Like, I was watching it with two friends, and none of us said a word. I mean, it was just like, (laughs) the hell is happening right now? This is amazing.
1: Yeah, it was Uh, pretty awesome.
3: I had never been so terrified. I mean, the Woodsman, my God. That, that is a scary-ass scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's something else. Uh, and, and, like, on the, we, do,
0: we were doing the show every week. And so every week I was like, this is the week that Cooper wakes up or he's back. And yeah, like that. yeah, And never in my wildest mind would I think of what happened with Part 8. Like,
3: it's basically um, it's a game changer, I
0: guess. It
1: was. Yeah. It was. It was amazing.
3: Well, you know what's funny about that is uh, when Dougie first woke up and we realized that he was a character. You know, I would watched most of this with a friend. And we had watched the original series back in the day. So, I mean, this is like, we've known each other forever. And so to see this happen was cool. But when Dougie woke up, uh, my friend Mark literally was just like, we're not going to get Cooper till the end.
2: Uh, (laughs) He just right away.
3: So we just sort of accepted that. So Dougie never really pissed us off or frustrated me. I I just, I always thought it was like when I watch Lynch, I just kind of sit down for the journey and whatever he dishes out, I'm already in. So it's not, Like, when I saw the people complaining and everything, I'm just like, you know, this is what, like, if we're so in love with Twin Peaks the way it was, go watch that show. We have it. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, I was just ready for, I was ready to go back to that world, but I was ready for... The new David Lynch film, which is what this was. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, Kyle's performance was amazing as Dougie, Mr. C, and and
0: Cooper. And so I I yeah. appreciated and I loved it. And there was the humor of Dougie, but as an old Twin Peaks fan, there was a little bit of me cringing and I was like, "Come on, are you teasing?" Yeah, us, David every Lynch, w- and, every <laughs> week, Ben was, and I
1: I was fine with it. I don't I, think uh, I ever uh, really bothered me, but yeah, every week
0: I felt but, teased.
3: I can look at it now and go back and be yeah. like, I can appreciate what it is. Well, I, I think what was so hard is we got four episodes right out of the gate. Yeah. And then yeah. we had to wait 2 weeks cuz I think it was like they showed 1 and 2 together and 3 and 4 together. Right. But but if you had Hulu or whatever, I think I had Hulu uh, subscription, you could watch all four at once like that first night. Yes. And so um so that's what we did and we so here's 4 hours of Twin Peaks and it's so amazing to be back and then we have to wait <laughs> two, <laughs> yeah. weeks, 2 weeks before we get to the new one. So I think jumping from 4 hours down to 1 hour and then having the Dougie storyline thrown in there, it was sort of like, yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I could just see Lynch laughing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Fire Walk With Me, though, I, I always love that final scene, and I still feel like that does take place after all of this. Right, uh, I yeah. do too. I,
1: I think that's like the perfect ending for Twin Peaks. Yes. Yeah,
3: no, it is, which is why when this— <laughs> When we go back to the world, I think everyone was a little scared because it's just that fear of like, you know, we are hyping this up for, you know, we were hyping it up for 2016, and then when Showtime and David Lynch had the budget fight and he walked, I mean, we had to wait a year and a half more. So I I feel Mm -hmm. like it was, by the time it was actually delivered, it's never going to be what we want it to be. My brother is seeing it for the first time right now uh, because he, he finished Twin Peaks, but he never saw the new season. And as I'm watching it with him, He's on. He just finished episode seven, so eight is next. And he, at this point, basically told me, "This is not the town of Twin Peaks. Mm. This is is something else." And I can't tell if he's disappointed or not, but I think maybe a little. And I don't know. Like I'm not being like completely just to say the opposite, but I, I really. Was satisfied with this season. Like I, had, there were no complaints for me. Tell us about. We can get tickets,
0: and you know where you are, because if we're, we never know. There could be people all around the country or
3: all around the world that might want to come to this event. Well, most people listening to this, if you would like to fly to Columbus, Ohio, for July nineteenth, twentieth, and twenty first. Those are the four shows. So there's two on the twentieth, one on the nineteenth, and one on the twenty first. The website is Facebook.com slash the directors series and that's uh, director singular, so the director series. And that's the website and then where you can get tickets, you can find the event on that page and then click the ticket link. Otherwise it's get ready, squareup.com slash store slash the director series, but hyphens in between the words. So the hyphen director hyphen series. And that's how you get to that'll take you right to the ticket page. Yeah, so there are tickets left for Saturday matinee at 11 a.m. and Sunday at 2 p.m. And there are tickets left for Friday and Saturday night, but they're VIP only, so they're 150 bucks. but they get you. So Ray and Cheryl are going to be selling autographs and pictures, so what this does is it combines autographs for both, pictures with both, and you get an exclusive poster uh, featuring art that isn't available on its own at the show. So that comes with your ticket as well. And you'll get first in line for the autograph session.
0: That's a
1: great deal. Yeah.
3: If you wanted to get signatures from
0: both of them anyways, why not just go for the VIP? I mean, it makes sense.
3: So, yeah. And and that's what the ticket really does is it takes takes the bother out of, because the way we're doing the autograph purchases is we'll have a stand and you go to the stand and you say, you know, I want Ray or I want Ray and Cheryl and I want an autograph and picture. And then you're going to be given like a, basically like a token to, to go up. Cause we don't want to handle cash at the booth. So it's mm-hmm. like you, you do all your stuff at this booth and then you go line up for the autographs. And so it's sort of weird, but if you have a VIP ticket, you don't have to worry about any of that. Cause it's already figured out you just stand in line
1: that's awesome
0: yeah then, but I know you're always going to be doing uh, Lost Highway is that
3: the next month is that in August that you'll be doing Lost Highway well, here's what's interesting about Lost Highway so we were not able I've been going chronological order like that's a big deal for me <laughs> it's like the whole point of the director series is to take a different director each year and chronologically watch one movie a month from their feature films so that if you're a film student or if you're just somebody that wants to study the person you can see their career progress and the decisions they made that were good or bad and you know, all that kind of stuff. So we just finished Dune, went to book Blue Velvet and MGM or whatever studio actually that has Blue Velvet right now, they're not booking it currently for screenings cause they're working, they're about to release that Criterion 4K. Blue Velvet, I couldn't get for May. So I had to skip it and go to Wild at Heart. Ah. Now Lost Highway is supposed to be August. Lost Highway may be June if they don't give me Blue Velvet in June. But basically I'll keep trying each month till we get Blue Velvet. And it'll go where we where they let us book it, but I'll just have to skip it if we don't. So that's why we're at Wild at Heart for May. Uh, we've got a screening of that in May on May 25th, and then June's going to be either Blue Velvet or Lost Highway. Cool. So cool.
0: And something is happening in August. I mean, you mentioned Dana Ashbrook, Bobby Briggs will be
3: coming yeah. to Studio 35. So it's a separate series. <laughs> it's, it's very similar to uh, this thing, except I'm starting a new series. It's career retrospectives with certain actors and it's like a two night thing or it's cast reunions. It's like one or the other. And so the first thing out of the gate is I'm doing a cast reunion and screening of the return of the living dead parts one and two. Ah. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be those two movies. Followed by a and a with the whole cast Of both and then uh, Autograph session with the cast of both And so that's going to be two nights That's August 27th and 28th So this is my, me being dumb here Dana Ashbrook was in those movies? Dana Ashbrook is in Return of the Living Dead Part 2 Ah He's the lead actually the lead man. <laughs> wow. I don't know if I've
0: seen it, I've seen the first one I don't, think, one, I don't yeah. think I've seen the second one Oh wow! So
3: the second one, the budget is about half of the first one But it's going <laughs> to fun so damn fun and so when dana confirmed for that you know part of me was like well maybe i'll just get dana and put him on firewalk with me but then i i feel like firewalk with me should just ray and cheryl just you know father and daughter it's it's pretty symbolic i think it i agree i kind of want to focus on just that and then if i do a twin peaks thing like next year or something like that just like that's you know a different thing right i'll I'll try and get more i'm in contact with most of the people, um, the representation uh, that were in Twin Peaks. So the only people I can't get to are, are McLaughlin and uh, Lynch right now. So, and I know I know Lynch's daughter Jennifer's best friend, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> 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 as close as I get to David is Jennifer. So yeah. I, I feel like in in my life, um, all the things that I used to BS about and kid about when I was a kid have come true now. So uh, I feel like I feel like I'm in this thing where. I'll never ask if someone could get me David Lynch. It's more of a, I'm going to do the best I can, quality-wise and, quality and presentation-wise, for the things that I'm doing, and hopefully, if someone offers, that'll guide me in the right direction. So
1: there you go. That's the way to do it.
3: What I would love from David, to be honest about this whole thing, because, I mean, this series is just celebrating him and his career, and it's a year long. I would love, by the time we get to Inland Empire, if if there's some kind of just a quick... 15 second video intro he could do uh, would be awesome. Wouldn't that be awesome? That, that, that would so be cool. The fact that Twin Peaks is selling well, I don't know if it's has a lot to do with Columbus or if it has a lot to do with Twin Peaks. Yeah. Because I because I definitely feel like I lucked out with Twin Peaks. Like I don't I don't feel like you know we'll see how Return of the Living Dead does. That's such a big cult movie. I feel like it'll do well. I don't know if it'll be because of Columbus. Uh, Columbus is just a city that. It's a big city, but it's people just don't like leaving their houses for anything. They want you to bring it <laughs> to them. They like, they like mm. Netflix. They like things where it's like, oh, I'd love Back to the Future. Cool. You want to go five minutes down the street and see it on the big screen? Nah, I'm just going to get high and watch it on Netflix. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a geek about the experience of it all and the yeah. presentation, and I think I just I try way too hard. Like I, I feel like I put more effort in than people kind of care about here. But that doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing it. Back to the Twin
0: Peaks Firewalk With Me event. You have uh, official art now of it. Do you want to talk about
3: the poster I think you have in the shirt? Yeah. So uh, my artist on Night Owl for, you know, since we started is is Matt Harris is his name. He's a huge monster movie Godzilla fan. And he uh, is an incredible artist. And so... He did he did he does a poster for us every month for any movie we feature on Night Owl, such as like Robocop or Fright Night or Monster Squad or Killer Clowns. You know, he's done all of those or the director series in general. He's done one for every single Lynch film through Lost Highway, and then he's gonna do Straight Story and Maholland Drive and Inland Empire when we get to him. Hmm. But he so he has a Firewalk With Me poster already. But then I I went to him and I, I said, you know, I've got this VIP ticket I'm offering. Would you create one that has nothing to do with the other one you did and sort of like make it more of an event like feature Ray and Cheryl and and sort of just you know whatever you want to do and I left it completely open to him and he had the idea of the image that came to his mind and my mind and we didn't know we were thinking the same thing was um, the theatrical masks like one smiling and one sad put Ray and Cheryl there and the only thing I had asked him to do if he could was incorporate The white face and yellow teeth for both of them. So, sort of like make it, you know, the, uh, (laughs) those faces. So he did that for both and it came out looking like a creepy as hell, but kind of awesome poster. (laughs) It's so
0: creepy. (laughs) It's so cool. (laughs)
3: And it was weird because, like, I I was hoping it would give a boost to VIP sales also by revealing it now. I mean, I I literally revealed it an hour after he finished it because we were just like, I was so excited about it. A lot of vips they have no idea. They knew they were getting a poster, that, but they hadn't seen the art until just now. So people seem to be excited about it. And I, of course, always love that it's in the Red Room. So not
0: only do you have uh, Leland and Laura's uh, scary faces there, but they're in the Red Room, which is awesome. Yeah, so cool.
3: Yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, the poster itself, it's actually pretty big. Our usual posters are 18 by 24, which is a pretty good size. This is sort of rectangular, and it's... I think it's the same width, but it it's taller, so you would hang it on your on your wall like portrait instead of landscape. Yeah, so they're they're nice and they're vinyl print and they're thick cardstock, so it's nice. Sort of, it's it's a nice thing. And then I wanted to offer the T-shirt because I didn't want the design that 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 poster is just for VIPs. Then there's a T-shirt that I wanted to offer for the event itself. That's like has the date on it and everything to kind of. For the the people that either didn't get a VIP or the people that want to wear that art on their shirt, it's a a slightly different – like the floor is different, the curtains are different, but it's the same faces. And then there's a one sheet that I'm having printed, but I'm only making like two or three of them so that they'll be up in the theater windows, and that's Ray and Cheryl's face from that art, but just against black. Nice. So, um, so those will be hanging in the windows at the theater all weekend.
0: And does the shirt need to be ordered ahead of time? I see this, but, but must be ordered by June 1st. What is,
3: yeah. The- so, the whole reason for that, and I'll, I might extend that to mid June, but the whole, the whole reason is before the chaos of the event starts, whoever orders a shirt, I'm just going to order those and so that we don't have them there for sale. And I know that seems crazy not to sell them at the event, but it's, There will be so much stuff that I will be worried about that selling those shirts is not. It's it's another thing. Plus I want Ray and Cheryl to be able to sell their stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. Good, good, good yeah. call.
0: It looks like I'm going to have to order a shirt here in, in the next week <laughs> or so. Cause so
1: I, <laughs> I know you're going to do it. It's going to do it. Cause
0: uh, yeah, yeah, I just assumed when I first saw it, I thought I could get it when, when I, at the event. So I'm glad that you're telling us that we have to get it now.
3: Well, and, and I might need to put online like really stress that people can't. And I don't want, I, I really don't want to come off as like, you know, like with the VIP tickets and with these shirts. I don't want to seem like I'm sort of like, you know, money, money, money. But I'm, I'm literally just trying to do it in a way that. Uh, I want people to have a keepsake from this event. I want organization, which is the whole shirt thing. And the reason why we're not selling it that night has nothing to do with like, I want to make this rare. Cause trust me, I want to sell as many shirts as we can. (laughs) I need to worry about sort of compartmentalized things as we get closer to the gig and, and just get all this taken care of now. Cause, uh, I'm going to be stressed.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Yeah,
0: I get you.
3: I just feel like everybody who bought that ticket would be
0: excited to wear
3: that shirt to the event. I feel like, I mean, my my goal is for people to walk in and say, you know, because we'll have a list of VIPs, we'll have a list of general admission, and everyone will have a wristband. The wristbands are already delivered into my house, so I'm like happy about that. But everyone will have a wristband that's going to be color-coded and design-specific to each show so that you know, people can't sneak in or blah, blah. Mm. So when, when people check in, my goal is that they check in, they get the proper wristband, they get their poster if they're a VIP and they get their shirt if they ordered a shirt all at once, all at the top. You know, there's nothing to worry about once they've checked in, everyone can relax, drink and, you know, have fun or whatever. And, you know, thanks to you guys and Blue Rose and everybody that's Twin Peaks related helping promote it. It's it's sort of something where I, I didn't have to go kind of Facebook crazy with it. Is there anything else that you'd want to tell people about the Fire
0: Walk With Me event or about the director series in general?
3: If they're regional or local to Columbus or, or close by at all, supporting this series is a big thing because it's independent. I mean, every month, you know, pay for the rental of the film, which is anywhere from like 250 to $350. And then once that's paid for and locked, we're good, but that means we have to sell. Because tickets to this event... Tickets to this series are only eight dollars. So, so per screening, they're only eight dollar tickets. Twin Peaks is thirty because obviously, you know, having the guests and the costs associated with it. Yeah. Uh, but that's the only one. But as far as keeping it going after that, a lot of the money made from Twin Peaks is going into guarantees for Ray and Cheryl and management and things. So, I mean, it's definitely it, it survives month to month because of David Lynch fans, and so that's a a really important thing to have people keep coming to the show and not just Twin Peaks uh, or or not just cherry picking. I know everybody, for some reason, wanted to skip Dune, and I'm like, <laughs> 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 I get it, but come to Dune. Yeah, uh, you can't Dune, see Dune's going to pay for Blue Velvet. So yeah. 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 Like The reason I do all of this stuff, because I don't have a day job. I mean, this is like just what I've done. I'm a musician too, so I've got a weird music thing that's actually separate that was a, a fluke that just kind of happened last year which is actually going to be my job. So besides that, I'm doing this. And I've always believed that, like, you know, when I was a kid and everything, with your friends in a treehouse and everybody's, like, planning stuff together and putting on these cool shows. And, and, I mean, that's sort of my goal with this is so to be interactive the day tickets went on sale to post those videos and everything, I felt like we were all in, like, the same room and kind of, like, cheering this thing on together. And I think that's the reason I did it. Uh, I love doing like that. Yeah. I just don't want to seem like this – Person behind the scenes that's like, you know, buy your ticket, come to the show, you know, I'll make the money. And then we uh, it's just not who I am. So, right. Yeah.
0: It comes off. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person and checking out the movie and seeing Cheryl Lee and Ray Wise. <laughs> it's it's a big weekend. In a, few, a few months. Yeah. You too. It's been yeah. great.
1: And if anybody has a comment or question or a thought about today's episode, give us an email at twinpeaksunwrapped at gmail.com everything mentioned the links are in the show notes also like us on Facebook follow us on the old Twitter subscribe to us on iTunes we're on Spotify we're on Google Play leave us a five star review nice little comments always nice as well and uh, support us by going to Tee Public. and with that being said we'll see you guys soon i see you in the- Hmm.